0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series Signs. This series looks at the seven signs found in the Gospel of John, symbolic events that call us to embrace Jesus as the Lord who has come to redeem his people. I'm going to begin today by uh, reading in John chapter 11, we're going to be concluding our series on the seven signs, the seven signs uh, that are recorded in John's gospel. So today we're going to be looking at John chapter 11, uh, which is Jesus raising Lazarus, and I'll show how that points forward to what we're really talking about mainly today, which is the resurrection of Christ. And I'm going to begin by reading a very long passage here. I'm going to read the first 53 verses. And I, I debated this and actually reached out to a couple of other pastor friends and said, hey, what would you do? And they said, read God's Word. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to read it, and I encourage you to hear it as the original uh, audience would have heard this. This is God's Word, friends. Everything else we're trying to do, we're trying to accurately convey and sing the Word of God, but this is God's Word to you. So hear now the Word Of your living, risen Savior. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going to go back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking to them of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Mary and Martha, uh, Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord! The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, See how we loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And Jesus once more deeply moved came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Then one of them, named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all you do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and to make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. If you watch movies today or you read books and you have a hero in the story and he, he gets all the bad guys. You remember it used to be back in the day, it would be like if it was a Bruce Lee movie or a Chuck Norris movie. They beat all the bad guys up, but you always know there's a climactic battle at the end. There's the really big bad guy and there's gonna be this fight. And the fight, if you watch movies today, it seems to last forever and ever. They drag this thing out and the whole thing seems to be in doubt at the end. The guy you thought was so good and you thought was so strong, sometimes it even looks like he's died. It looks like he's been left there. He's crumbled. It looks like the whole fight has been lost. The, the outcome was in doubt. And now, in fact, it looks like it's been lost, even if he's going to come back and win in the end. Now, we've been following a truly epic tale, We have seen throughout this series that as John has presented Jesus, he's done six signs before this that have demonstrated he has control over nature, over diseases, over people. Time and distance have been no problem for him. He has shown utter sovereignty over all things. And now he's going to come in the seventh sign, And he's going to face the greatest enemy, which is death. This is going to be the climactic battle as he stands there at Lazarus' tomb. So we want to take a look at this sign today, which John presents as the culminating sign, see why Jesus raises Lazarus, what it means, and how it points forward to what we're celebrating today, which is the resurrection. So let's dive in. The sign is that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead now notice John gives us the context here and he says that Lazarus is sick and he points out that Jesus had loved Lazarus and Martha and Mary and so if you notice in verses 1 and verses 3 to 6 that Lazarus is there and he's sick and they send word to Jesus now if you're Martha and Mary this makes perfect sense you're a disciple of Jesus you've seen things that he's done and you've heard of others and you know that Jesus has conquered every sickness that he has confronted when he has spoken a word has happened. So if Lazarus is sick, you send word to Jesus and you know that Jesus loves you, you know that Jesus loves Lazarus, so you expect he's going to hear and he's going to come immediately. Uh, Or at least send word of healing across The distance. And what we get from Jesus is he he makes this saying, this will not end in death. I'm going to be glorified through this. God's going to receive glory and God's going to glorify me in this. This is not going to end in death. But he sends no word back. He does not go. In fact, he waits two whole days. Seeming to do nothing. Now, if you put yourself in the position of Mary and Martha, and even of the other disciples, this had to be curious. And the only thing the disciples can probably figure out is last time we had left Jesus with the sixth sign, and he was in Judea, what were they trying to do to him? They're trying to kill him, right? They're very upset with him. They want him dead. So the disciples might be thinking, well, He'd like to heal Lazarus, but maybe he's going to pull one of those out of his back pocket of his cloak here, and he's going to do something across the miles, because he's not going to go back, because they want to kill him back there in Judea. But Jesus is actually purposefully raising the stakes. We're going to see in a moment, he's doing all this, because he wants to, as it were, this is Jesus going into the climactic battle, and he says, I'm going to go ahead and tie one arm behind my back. I'm going to, before we even start the battle, I'm going to make it worse. I'm going to stack the deck in favor of death before we have this climactic battle. And I'll show you how and why he does that in a moment. Now, notice then, Jesus goes down to, uh, to, to see Lazarus. He says, We're going to go to Judea, and you, uh, you, you get this, this funny thing, you, you know, where Thomas is like, Hey, let's go die with him. <laughs> so Thomas is not all bad. But. Jesus says we're going to go to Lazarus, but he begins by saying our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Jesus is saying, look, I've waited a couple days, but I already know what's happened. Now we've got a couple days walking to do ahead of us, but I already know that Lazarus is dead. So he tells them Lazarus has fallen asleep. And as throughout the Gospels, uh, do the disciples get what Jesus is talking about? They're they're clueless. They're like, oh, Lord, this is a good sign. If he's fallen asleep, if you know that he's asleep, that means he's going to get better. His body's on the mend. Jesus, I'm sure, probably shakes his head and bangs it and says, you guys don't get it. No, let, let me be clear. Lazarus is dead. And the reason I've waited here, I'm glad that this is already so, because I want you all to believe. I want you to understand. I've done these other six signs, and you get glimpses of what's going on, I'm going to remove everything. Like the stone's going to be rolled away, I'm going to roll away all doubt. You are going to understand when I am done with this, who I am. And so notice he says that, and I love it, Jesus says he's asleep, I'm going there to wake him up. How nervous is Jesus as he heads into this final battle? This is nothing. See, Jesus knows he's dead. And in fact, He's going to have been dead four days. Jews believed the Spirit hung around for three days. So if resurrection was going to happen, it had to happen in the first three days. Jesus is saying, I'm going to wait to the fourth day, but I want you to understand, Jesus is predicting, here's the climactic battle. I'm just going to walk in and wake him up. That's it. There's no struggle. There's no contest going to happen here. I'm going to speak. He is going to live. And so Jesus then goes down to Mary and uh, to Martha, and Martha comes out to Jesus. And this is in verses 21 to 27. And interestingly, we here get another one of the I am sayings. Remember in John's gospel, there's seven signs. There's also seven I am sayings sayings and we actually have this is the seventh sign and it is the sixth of the i am sayings that jesus does are both in this story and so martha comes out to him and she says lord if you had been here my brother would not have died now i don't know if that's just grief I don't know if Martha's giving a little bit of accusation at Jesus, like why didn't you get here more quickly when we did it? Because we tried to get you to come here because I know you could have healed him, Lord. I've seen you heal other people. I don't know what Lazarus had, but I know you could have healed him. But even now, I know God will hear you. I know you have the ear of the Father, so I'm still trusting you. And so, jesus then tells her lazarus is going to rise again your brother's going to get up now martha hears this and like the disciples she doesn't really get what jesus is saying she thinks he's speaking of the resurrection on the final day and she says yes lord i know on the last day the trumpet's going to sound and lazarus is going to rise with the rest of us and then we get the i am saying where jesus looks at her and he says martha I am the resurrection. I'm not talking about a doctrine. I'm not talking about something that's going to happen in the future. Resurrection is standing in front of you. Life is standing in front of you now. I'm speaking about what's going to happen now. Do you believe me? And friends, don't miss. Remember when we started this series on the signs, John had told us at the end of the gospel, he says, I I could have picked out thousands of signs. I picked out these signs so that you would believe, that you would know Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you would have life. So notice here in the climactic sign, Jesus says to Martha, do you believe on the resurrection? Do you believe on the life? Do you believe I have power even over death? And notice Martha's response. It is so wonderful. Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe. That you are the Messiah, the Son of God. This is the exact words John uses in John chapter 20 to say, This is why I wrote the gospel. This is the response I want from every one of you. Martha is here giving the climactic response. It's kind of funny. It's not one of the disciples, it's not Nicodemus, it's not the learned men, it's Martha. Martha is being held up, and God is saying, you want to know what discipleship looks like? Look at this woman right here. This is what discipleship is. She stands there. Her brother's been dead for four days. Jesus says, I am resurrection. I am life. Do you believe me? And she says, yes, Lord. I believe you are the Messiah. I believe you are the Son of God. Friends, that's what discipleship looks like. You don't have to be educated. You don't have to be powerful. You simply have to believe. So he moves on then. Uh, he gets this response. And so Jesus goes out. And after you know, the shortest verse in the Bible where Jesus has wept, which I encourage you to take a look at because there is nothing unchristian regarding grief. Jesus weeps as he stands at Lazarus' tomb. He weeps knowing what he's going to do. But he weeps because death was not meant to be. It was not meant to be this way. And so as he stands there and he sees the grieving and he sees the weeping and he understands all that our sin has wrought and wrecked throughout this universe, Jesus weeps. But then he looks up and he tells them, take away the stone. And then Martha, very much like you and me, she's had her great moment of faith, but what's her response when Jesus says, roll the stone away? Ah, Yeah, about that, Lord. (laughs) It's been four days, and I don't know if you know this or not, but after four days, I don't think you want to roll that stone away. It's going to be bad in there. It's going to smell He is already rotting. That's what Martha is saying. And Jesus looks at her and says, did I not tell you that if you believe, you're gonna see the works of God. And so they look up, and they roll the stone away, and then I love, so now here we are. This is the climactic battle. Now again, if Hollywood did this, how long would this last? This would last over and over, till we're all like, good Lord, get it over, I don't care if the good guy does die, just get the movie over with, right? All the stuff that would happen, there would be this struggle, Things might happen, and then it looks like they're not going to happen. But notice, none of that happens. How big is the final battle? It's no bigger than any other battle. Jesus just stands there and says, Lazarus, come out. There's no Hollywood moment. There's no lights. We're not told anything else happens. Jesus speaks a word, and death obeys. It does what it's told. To do because Jesus is the sovereign Lord and there is no climactic battle when God speaks everything obeys this is an important message for us in this there is no contest in this climactic sign because death itself is no more able to disobey Jesus then water can disobey Him, then food can disobey Him, then disease can disobey Him, or then the human body can disobey Him. When the Word speaks, everyone obeys, because that's our place. Now see, this is an important sign, because in our culture, we, we will restrict the sovereignty of God at any cause, as if Poor God is always sitting there wishing he could do otherwise. Friends, that is never the case. God is sovereign. See, we do that because we want to save our own autonomy. We want to save our own ability. But God is sovereign. In his time and in his way, when he speaks, all things obey all things obey even death there is no climactic struggle this would be the most anticlimactic ending to a hollywood movie ever do you, i remember when i was a, a midshipman we used to laugh at this funny movie i don't know if you've ever seen this there was a there was a cartoon put out called bambi meets godzilla and it's as silly as it sounds they start with bambi in the fields and the credits roll at the beginning And then Godzilla's foot goes, and then the credits roll at the end, and that's the entire movie. The battle was as tough as you thought the battle was going to be. That's Jesus and death. It would be the world's shortest movie. There's credits. Jesus says, come forth. There's credits at the end. That's it. There is no struggle. Now, what is this teaching us? It means that Jesus is the Lord of life. Right here in the seventh sign and in the sixth, I am saying, notice what Jesus says there. He says, the the, the I am saying tells us the meaning of the sign. He says, I am the resurrection. I don't just cause resurrection. I am resurrection. I don't just cause life. I am life. And this is why he had waited until Lazarus died. Think about it he has healed so many people he could have gone and healed lazarus he even spoke across the miles and sent healing he could have done the same thing here but he tells the disciples look lazarus fell asleep he's dead because i wanted you to see something i wanted you to be able to believe and i want you to understand i am the resurrection and the life The whole gospel from the beginning has been moving to us understanding that Jesus is the Lord of life. He is Lord over death. He conquers all for us. Notice all the way back at the very beginning of the gospel. We're told in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He created everything. And then in verse four, the first statement that's made about him is, in him was life that life is the light of all mankind. So right at the beginning we're told this is who Jesus is. He is life. Notice how this is the culmination of the seven signs. If you read through John chapter 11 carefully, you can see references back to almost every sign. Almost everything Jesus has done, it has a reference back to it. I'm going to show you just one example where it goes back. In John chapter 5, you remember where Jesus had raised the paralytic on the Sabbath. And there was the argument because they didn't like him doing it on the Sabbath. And he got into a long discussion to say that he was Lord of the Sabbath. And one of the things that happens is that God on the Sabbath brings death and God brings life. And so the rabbis had said, well, God works on the Sabbath. Jesus had talked about this in John chapter 5. So notice in verses 26... To 29 of John 5, Jesus said, For as the Father has life in himself, God doesn't stand separate. Life is in God. And Jesus says, So he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out now jesus is talking ultimately about the ultimate final resurrection but do you notice how that's exactly what he does with lazarus i'm going to stand at the grave lazarus is going to hear my voice and he's going to come out just as i command him to do those who hear his voice will come out so lazarus is a type and a shadow of the resurrection on the final day Every one of the signs has been pointing forward to this. And this is ultimately the sign that points in the most clear manner to the greatest act in John's Gospel, which is the resurrection of Jesus. Because if you look at it, you might even say, okay, well, Jesus beat death when it had a hold of Lazarus, but what happens if it lays a hold of him? And Jesus is willing to, to even do that what happens if death lays its icy fingers on jesus himself and jesus says the result is the same when i decide to stand up i stand up when i tell death to loosen its hold it loosens its hold and jesus had predicted this in the very first sign that he did or actually the second sign you go back to the second sign, you remember when he's in the temple in Jerusalem and he's driven everybody out. And the people get upset and they say, What authority do you have to do this? And Jesus spoke to them in John chapter 2 and said, This destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Remember, and they, like everybody through the gospel, get all confused. It took 46 years to build this. How are you going to do it? But we're told in verse 21, but the temple he had spoken of was his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. They believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. So notice when Jesus is risen from the dead, they understand, they believe, they come to faith. So Jesus all the way at the beginning had said, look, I'm going to even give you kind of a freebie, an eighth sign, if you will. Death, you will try to destroy me. You will put this temple in the grave. I'm telling you, on the third day, I will decide to stand up, and I will stand up. I will raise myself from the dead. I will walk out, having conquered death itself. Now, friends, what does this mean for us? It's very clear what we're supposed to get out of this text, and that is, how do I respond to the Lord of life? Now, one might think, well, geez, it would be obvious. If I were standing there and Jesus called out and a guy who'd been dead for four days walked out of the tomb, I would believe. But amazingly, did you notice when I read, some of them did not do that. In verses 46 to 48, we read that some of the people who were standing there watching Jesus do this ran back and told the Pharisees what Jesus had done. And so they called together a council of the Sanhedrin, which is actually the right thing they should have done. They should have called the council of the Sanhedrin and said, Messiah has come. He is here. Let's go out and greet him and bring him in and, and worship him. But that's not what they do. What does the Sanhedrin actually do? I, I mean, I love this. What are we accomplishing? Here's this man performing many signs, and if we let him go on like this, everybody's going to believe in him. Really? Really? So you acknowledge the fact he can turn water to wine. You acknowledge the fact that he cleanses the temple with authority. You acknowledge the fact that he can speak across the distance and heal. You acknowledge the fact he can raise a paralytic up who's been there for 38 years and he can do it on the Sabbath day. You acknowledge the fact multitudes there, he can multiply the food and feed them. You acknowledge the fact a man who was born blind he can speak and he can see, again on the Sabbath day, you acknowledge all of this and you acknowledge that he raises Lazarus from the dead. But here's what you won't acknowledge. You won't acknowledge that therefore you're called to bend the knee. Amazingly, they won't acknowledge that. And their only thing is, so he's the Lord of life, we've got to put him to death. We've got to stop this because if we don't, and and notice this, this goes back to another sign, if we don't, the Romans are going to come in and take away our temple. We need those stones standing up. Now, the irony is, by putting Jesus to death, what do they accomplish? The destruction of the very temple they're trying to save. This is a freebie for you, If God is telling you to give something up and you try to save it, you will destroy the very thing you try to save. Jesus said, he who loses his life finds it, but he who tries to save his life will. It's a principle for us. So here's what I urge you out of these people. Don't follow them. Don't look at them. Don't follow them in their way when the lord of life is present to you and me do not disobey do not ignore him do not side against him the response instead that we're to do is again the response of martha where when jesus says he is the resurrection and the life do you believe this and martha says yes lord i believe you are the messiah i believe you are the son of God. And notice it's not just Martha. She's joined at the end. We're told, therefore, many of the Jews that had come out to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Right in the middle of the story, we have the the greatest example of belief in the gospel. And then at the end of the story, we're told that many others came to believe. This is what particularly vexed the Pharisees. This is what it was. And I remind you, this is why the signs were written in the gospel. John tells us at the end, he makes this so simple. This is why he has written it. John 20, 30 and 31. Jesus performed all of these signs and many other signs, which are not even recording the book, but I've written these so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and so that by believing you may have life in his name. The right response is faith. The right response is belief. And this is so critical because it offers life in, our, in his name. The reason this is the ultimate sign. Jesus has got so many other signs that he did. Why did John pick them? Why did he order this one? Why did he put this one last? Friends, it's because it's the ultimate sign and the ultimate reality for our ultimate need your greatest need and my greatest need is what about death it's all great if jesus will feed me and jesus will heal me when i get sick and jesus will do all these other things but if at the end of it all i fall down and die and that's the end it didn't really matter It's like going through the movie, and the guy wins a bunch of times, but at the end, the really bad guy kills him and then has power over me. What was the point? It didn't really accomplish anything. It took us on an exciting ride, but at the end of the day, we lose. The ultimate enemy is death. And so everything else would be futile if he doesn't do this. But Jesus demonstrates here that he is life. And he demonstrates here that he is Lord not only over life, but he is Lord over death. Not even death can disobey his word. Not just for Lazarus, but for you and for me. We need to understand the power of Jesus' word. The gospel begins with this, and here in the ultimate sign we see it again. In the beginning, there is nothing. And Jesus speaks and there's everything. In the beginning, it is dark. And Jesus speaks and there is life. In the beginning, it is disorder and chaos and nothing. And then Jesus speaks and everything comes into order and sprouts in life in the beginning nothingness jesus speaks and space and time come into existence all of this is true and friend when we move forward to the end and you know scientists worry about all this stuff and we look at black holes and we do all this if a huge black hole swallows up everything that exists and it looks like it is all chaos and darkness again, here is the truth that Jesus proclaims to us in this sign. When you and I lie in the grave and death dew is cold on your brow, Jesus is going to stand up and shout, Come forth! And you're going to rise up and walk out of the grave. That is ultimate truth. Every one of us one day are going to be like Lazarus. You're going to hear and you're going to obey and you're going to rise from the grave. And there is no better news. If this were not true, nothing else matters. If this is not true, Good Friday is just another uh, hyper uh, you know, guy who really cares about people and he's super idealistic and he gets put to death and he really loved ya, but it doesn't matter. But if this is true, and friends, it is true, then what that means is, on that day, whatever happens in the future, if it is a huge black hole and it sucks us all, seemingly out of existence, his voice is gonna shout out of that and raise you and I up. And you will stand, you will see him. All we have longed for will be sight on that day And we will worship him for who he is forever and ever and ever. He will have swallowed up death by life. Amen? He is risen. He is risen. And friends, that is why we have life. Amen? What we're going to do is the worship team is going to come forward, and we are going to conclude with a song of worship and faith. So we're going to go ahead and, uh, as they're coming forward, we're going to stand up together. And, And as they're doing it, I encourage you, why don't you turn to somebody near you and say, He is risen, He is risen indeed. Greet one another. And as the team is up here, what we're going to be singing is a song that is based out of an Old Testament text that Paul, in the longest chapter on resurrection in the New Testament, speaks in quotes. And it is, where is your sting, O death? Where are your threats, O grave? Where is your victory, O grave? There is no sting. There is no threat the grave has because Jesus has swallowed death up with resurrection and life. Let's sing and worship and then we will conclude with a word of benediction. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your word is powerful not only over our life but even over death. Lord, we thank you that there is no stone that can withstand your word. There is no circumstance. There is no enemy, even death itself, that does not obey your powerful word. And so Lord, Today, with Martha, we stand and we say, I believe you are the Messiah, you are the Son of God, you are the Lord of life, and we have found life in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, friends, may grace and peace and resurrection power rest on you. From Him who is, and who was, and who is to come, and from the Spirit before His throne, and from Jesus Christ, the Lord of life, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over everything. Go in His blessing and resurrection power. Amen.